Hey, podcast, thanks so much for listening. If you've been hanging out with us for a while, you know every now and again we like to mix it up with a compilation episode. So this is a few of the hardest-hitting ladies that we've had on the podcast in the past 12 months, and you'll hear voice clips in this order. You'll also be able to find uh, information and links to the full episode of each in the order in the show notes below. So first up will be Caitlin Ford, then we'll hear from Pinup Jordan, then Cheetah Basso, Ashley Letvich, Lauren Karens, Christine Zelinsky, Alicia Solier, Kaylee Auger, Johanna Lyman, and Jennifer Alvarez. Also want to thank you for the five-star reviews as well as the shares uh, in, in your Instagram stories. We've seen a lot of those lately. We just are about to cross the 65,000 download mark, which is a big deal for us uh, in just under two years. So keep listening, keep sharing, and now enjoy the episode. Hi everybody, welcome to the Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host Chris Lumet and as usual sitting here with my great bud, Mr. John Palmieri. And we have a wicked good guest. Just incredible. Like, I don't even know how we keep getting people like this to agree to talk to us actually. You know, I think that one of the greatest uh, things that keeps people from starting something that they really want to do is is fear. And a lot of that fear comes from um, thinking about how other people are going to perceive you or, you know, we we kind of think people are going to think that we're ridiculous for, for doing this. So I think that there's a lot of like insecurity that holds people back from um, really pursuing the things that they want to do. So my biggest piece of advice is if you're really passionate about something, if you have a lot of knowledge about something, then just start sharing it and don't get too worked up about if you're, if, um, if it's perfect, I think that's another thing that people really get hung up on is, well, this isn't good enough, you know? You can always work on perfecting your skills along the way. If you were to look, scroll all the way back on my Instagram page to when I was first posting hair pictures, they don't look anything like the way that my hair pictures look today, you know? So I think that the biggest things that, that hold people up are fear and insecurity. And so it's really important to, to overcome that and to, um, and to really challenge yourself to move past that. Who is Caitlin in the salon? Uh, what are those, what are the ways that you set yourself apart when you're one-on-one with a human being? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a consultation prior to, um, doing color for any new client. It's a requirement. You can't make a color appointment with me until you've had a consultation. Um, but we go through the entire gambit. I ask them to show me um, photos of what they're having done. I'll have them explain to me, you know, the things that they have already existing on their hair. And then if there's like compromise needed, we'll have a full conversation about that. But I always try to like my, my philosophy is an educated client is a happy client. Nobody likes 
nobody likes to be surprised, especially really when it comes good. to their hair. Yeah. Um, so you need to cover every single base. And the, the way that I do this, you know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people shy away from like criticism and it's hard to take criticism. And, you know, if you've done something like made a mistake before in your career, um, it, it's, it's hard to kind of like fully take responsibility for that sometime. But I think that it's very important to look back at every opportunity, everything that's happened that has gone wrong because every stylist has made mistakes. We've all looked back at appointments that we've had and been like, man, I should have done that differently, you know? Um, so I tried to think of every, every instance where I've, I've not covered a base and make sure that I cover it. Um, I always talk about price. I always talk about what they should expect as far as data. I always talk about maintenance, how often they're going to need to come back. Um, just preparing them with as much information as possible and people really appreciate it. And I think also if I can encourage anyone else to sort of, you know, push themselves um, with that, I, I think that it's really hard, especially with social media right now, to see what other people are doing and yeah. to imagine how do you do a little bit more than someone who's already seems to be doing so much. Right. Um, but I think that it's all about, you know, that little bit more is, is very literal. It's very every day do something so small every day i would come up with goals for myself like today i'm going to hand out five business cards even if that meant i went to target and accidentally dropped some on the floor and left them there yeah. you know it's, it's you have to just do a little bit more every day and so there were definitely times where i got discouraged and didn't understand how i was going to make a great impact in the industry but really doing that those little little things every single day and not getting discouraged when they don't work right away those are like the, the big things I think right there. If I could leave anybody with anything on that, thinking like you can't do enough, you can do enough, but you have to be very consistent and keep it up even when the world is kind of like showing you negativity and, and just sort of keep going with it because keep doing that a little bit more when everyone else kind of gives up and that's what's important. I think the whole dress for the job you want, not the job you have is very right. cliche, but it's very true. Um, not a lot of people are going to want to go to a hairstylist that doesn't look like they have good hair. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of hairstylists don't do their own hair, but as long as it's done and it looks good, people will trust you to do theirs. Right. So even with my hair, like I do my own color, but my hair, they're taping extensions. So essentially my hair is only pink into purple. Um, these are 22 inch long extensions they are from Donabella. Yeah. Um, so it all blends and everything, but I'm able, I am able to do my own color um, yeah. as a result of having extensions. So I think that when people see my hair, um, of course that's part of it, like looking a certain way, but I think you also have to have an outgoing enough nature to be able to follow up on that conversation. So usually people will come up to me in public and say, oh my God, I love your hair. And then the following questions are usually, did it take a long time? Was it expensive? And where did you go? So I, you know, I'll kind of answer their questions. I'm very honest. Yes, it was expensive. Yes, it took a long time. Mm -hmm. and, then I, and then I'll usually try to compliment them and say, who does your hair? Um, and, and of course, I'm genuine about it. I wouldn't compliment something that's not real. But I'll say, oh, I love the root color or I love your haircut. And then sometimes they're self-conscious and they'll say, oh, you know, I, well, I go to my mom's friend. I've been going for 20 years. 
and really like having a business card is something that is highly underrated i think in our industry yeah. um and, and they make so many cute ones now that you can have things that aren't plain white so when i have these interactions with people and they're just naturally complimenting me and i'm able to say who does your hair um you know, I'll hand them my card and say, oh, well, I'm actually a stylist. My name is Jordan. If you have an Instagram, here's my card. And I'm not poaching them from another stylist. I just want to show them my work. Right. And then they usually will reach out to me. So I think in terms of like growing your business, again, looking the way that you would want to present yourself to a client, um, having business cards on you all the time and not being afraid to hand them out and, and engage with people because ultimately, if you can't talk to them for five minutes, you're not gonna be able to sit down with them for eight hours while you do a rainbow on their head. I wanna, you know, you brought something up that I wanna touch on in just a minute if I could. You talked about the trust piece. And I think that's maybe something we take, as hairdressers, we take for granted because we haven't had that experience of being in an environment where you've gotta put walls up. You've gotta protect yourself, I get that. Um, talk about what that journey was like. And when I found the salon, when I graduated, I found the salon that I wanted to work at. Everybody was just so friendly and just, and all I could think of was, you know, I still had those walls up, like, what do they want? What, you know, because that's what we're taught. Like, what do they want? What's their motive? It's been something that I've really had to work on. And especially when it came to clients, I really think I have it really tuned, finely tuned in because now because I actually let my clients be who they are and I let them talk and I take it back to like the car dealership days too um, I learned something from the car salesman they would always say how to close a deal how to close a deal whoever speaks first loses <laughs> you know um, if, and in the conversation it is like dating so when your clients in your chair you let them do the talking because they've, you know, they've done statistics on this where whoever talks the most during a date is the one who says they had the best time, the best date. And whoever, you know, the person who didn't get to talk or get a word in is like, my God, all she, she wants to shut yeah. up. All she did was talk. Right. Are you listening? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I don't go on dates. <laughs> I'm sure to lose that battle. <laughs> Listen, you know, so um, when, and I learned how to redirect, like when your clients come in and they want to talk about all the negative stuff, I redirect it to all the good stuff and get them to talk about something good. But I really, really focus on the client, letting them talk, um, redirecting it. And then it, it, it kind of is my little tactic of keeping myself out of it. setting yourself apart. It's really hard. We live in, you know, a social climate where we all know balayage and beachways performs, but if you're posting balayage and beachways, how is that different from the 75,000 other photos of balayage and beachways that went up the same day? Right. And I think the thing that can seem to be a challenge for the professional stylist, but I know they're capable of doing it and I see it every day. I know it's possible is to embrace storytelling. The difference is if you're able to connect that to, to your client, maybe to their, their way of life, maybe to their daily challenges, a new trend, a season, connecting it to a story, and then really going beyond just posting and literally saying balayage beach waves mm -hmm. and taking that into something deeper, incorporating your hashtags and your text, not maybe not 
hashtagging balayage because there's so many, you're not going to be found. Maybe hashtagging, whether it's blonde balayage or, or something different or hand painted, uh, you know, a hashtag that's actually going to get you a result mm-hmm. versus falling into the traps of this is a great image, but nobody saw it. I think those are sort of an overarching hiccup we're seeing on a daily basis. You know, what's really interesting is the storytelling piece. I I mean, I know it sounds dramatic, but it's life changing. I mean, if you look at, I mean, one of the things that struck me when I first started in the industry was, of course, I'd had my hair done a million times, but I hadn't given it much thought. Watching it from a third party perspective was so different to see people come in. So let's say as a sales consultant, I'm sitting in a chair and I see someone come in They're Oh, you know, whatever they sit down, they're making excuses or apologies for the way they look by the time they sit down in the chair in front of a stylist and then they leave and they're completely transformed. It's incredible. I mean, how many times a day can you say that somebody does that for you? I think I really want to say that leadership is about being the bottom of the pyramid. You are the stepping stone of which everyone uses to climb. And the minute you get confused or you get a leader on your team that's confused confused about that, starts pointing down. Right, right? You're in trouble. And I think what I've worked to do through hiring, through promotion and, and, and through myself, I know my partners are the exact same way because we share a value system is remember that even in this, even in this closure, I'm sitting here going, how do I serve my, how do I serve those folks? And so if you, if you're constantly in service leadership, it's really easy to stay clear. Yeah. It gets, it's draining. Sure. You have to figure out ways to manage it all, but it's, it's service leadership. Like I'm in service to you. So as you said earlier, our internal customers, my internal customers are all saying like, nope, this, I'm, you know, this isn't it. This isn't great. Like I got to listen to that. Just like I got to listen to my external customers and what, and what they're saying. A lot of what I have done has just been through one day at a time leadership. That's the truth. I just started and I just, um, I have worked so uh, tirelessly to also stay agile, right? Mm-hmm. To to make sure that I'm paying attention to what's working and not what's not working. So I think through just the process of paying attention, like, okay, I, I, I got five successful people trained in and now I've got them on this next level. And we don't have a particular level system, but we have coaching pathways that we use to help our leaders understand how to get them through the next steps. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was just trial and error. I mean, I hate to be so simple, so simplistic, but that was the truth. I just started mentoring folks and seeing what mentorship looked like. And what I started to notice after a few years was that it just had so many patterns. There's a couple different kinds of team members. There's a couple different kinds of responses. I mean, there's always anomalies, but we started to realize that these behaviors happened over and over and over. So we could build uh, pathways and get ahead of them and help soothe and clarify before someone even had that anxiety that happened to the last person, mm-hmm. right? We would have a next, the next onboarding would even be better. And so it was just trial and error. I mean, I, I'm the definition of, you know, hairstylist to CEO. I figured this whole thing out one day at a time mm-hmm. and, and constantly my pathways and my processes are, are getting updated. They're still there. I'm going to go back to work and they're going to be updated again because mm-hmm. now this whole uh, cultural shift that we're all about to go to go through could change everything again, as far as right. that, um, you know, as you said, 
stylists leaving and, and you know, kind of who's in control and all of that, it could shift again. So again, simplistic answer, but it's just been through doing it, mm -hmm. just figuring it out. I have a morning routine and that morning routine is very sacred. So if it gets, if my morning routine gets interrupted, I can mm -hmm. feel like my day is off. Um, so usually in the morning, um, the first thing I do is I spend quiet time. And so I sit quietly, I do a meditation, uh, usually twice a day, once in the morning, once before I go to bed, I read. So I'm always reading something and sometimes it's five books at one time, depending on, you know, what I'm into. But uh, usually it's, I spend uh, somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes doing an intake of something that is important to me. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, right now I'm reading Michael Hyatt's book on focus. Uh, so, you know, it depends really, you know, where, where I'm at in my journey. So I read and then I write. So I do, uh, you know, I have that whole reflective process going mm -hmm. and uh, it's very important for me to read something uh, that is going to shift my mindset. Because if we don't reprogram ourselves, I find that I just go back to old habits Mm -hmm. and old belief systems. And I sort of am just on a default. And I don't want to be on a default. I want to be very intentional about the direction that and the life that I want to create moving forward. So, um, so usually I read and then I do some writing. And the blogs that I do, I, I do that because I, there's many times where I experience challenges as a leader uh, there's many times where I'm going through uh, changes as a leader and I want to capture those moments. And uh, if I can't physically be with people teaching them right now, then I want to contribute in some way based on my experiences. So, so that's what I, that's sort of my morning routine and my creative process right now. Uh, we ran the salon off hype and emotions for a long time, at least the first five years. It was all hype and we were looking at top line revenue and we, we didn't really actually know what we were looking for. And it was frustrating for me because, you know, there's a thing called time. And all I knew was if I could spend all my time doing hair, then I was bringing in money, right? Like that's what I'm supposed to do. But what you realize is by putting all that time and energy just in your chair, you're taking it away from the actual business. So I struggled, especially during the end when things needed to change, when I needed to change our commission models, when we needed to change financial stuff. And ultimately, when you are affecting someone's wallet, you're going to have a lot of conflict and you're going to have a lot of change. And so that was something that I really struggled with a lot. But I also realized that I couldn't run a business based off hype anymore. I ultimately couldn't just have this illusion and this ego like, oh, I'm the salon owner, but what's that worth to me? If that meant me having zero profit and just making everybody else, you know, get actually paid, uh, this is not really what I desired to do. So I had a burning desire by the end to change it. 
and that meant losing some of my staff and that's fine. Um, but what it meant was that I was going to take this business seriously uh, and I was going to do it for myself and not try to please others or what the illusion of a salon owner looked like to me prior. So there's a really great exercise that you can do, <laughs> which is just like, it's the seven layers deep, they call it. So you basically just keep saying why you're doing what you're doing and then keep asking the question why when you get to that seventh layer you usually typically find out that purpose and for me it's a legacy so for me i want to leave you know my world better than i you know found it um and most importantly that legacy gets passed on to my family gets passed on to the industry it's a way of giving back so i think a legacy for me is my biggest purpose um and that's something that uh, when I did that exercise, it landed me right there. I learned an interesting concept called counterbalance. Mm -hmm. And it's actually like, if you want to do something exceptional, it's going to need all of you and all of your commitment and, and buy-in. And it's not by like getting that perfect ratio of like, I work 28.5 hours and now I have my work-life balance because there's going to be sometimes where your personal life demands more of you and sometimes where your work life demands more of you. So mm -hmm. I love this concept of counterbalance, meaning I just go all in on something yeah. to get a certain outcome. And then I go all in on something for me or something for, you know, my family or, uh, but really the idea is like all in till you get it done and you achieve that result. And I often um, speak to that age group of like 20 to 30 and they're kind of the ones that are like work-life balance. And, and like for me, that age was just like achieve, achieve, achieve because like I started to have my, I had my first daughter at 31 as well. And like, it just gets harder to hit yeah. your objectives when, once you start having kids. So that 20 to 30 is like the time that you have to really maximize your career, to get momentum. And I would never have the lifestyle that I have now, which, you know, is just like, when you don't have to think about money for every choice you make, you can do really cool things and that's work-life balance. Like, yeah. and, but if I hadn't really worked aggressively to be the best stylist, to be able to travel internationally teaching, you know, sometimes on planes every weekend, um, really that counterbalance idea of like going all out for something, I would never have been able to go all out um, to live on this island and, you know, work from home and have a whole bunch of time with my kids. So I think it's really like more of a grand scheme of what that life needs to look like. And I love what you said about like, how do you mesh that together? What weren't you prepared for? What didn't you know? <laughs> I wasn't prepared for anything other than yeah. doing hair. <laughs> I was, I had gotten really good at doing hair and being able to impress people with the hair that I did and teaching that. And I just thought, I, I just love people. Like I, I rarely come across somebody that rubs me the wrong way or that I have a personality clash with. And I just thought if I open this business and I do everything that my old bosses never did for me, and I just like give them personal growth and I give them education and I do all this, like, it's just going to be a success, right? It, how can it not be? And right. that's, and I think that's how most salon owners go into it, right? I've never heard a salon owner be like, this is my million dollar business plan and I'm going to open a salon and get rich. Like I've never heard it. Even though stylists say, you know, these greedy salon owners or whatever their perception is, I've never experienced that myself. Um, and that wasn't my intention. My intention was to have the best salon, the best reputation, do the best hair, have the best team, treat them the best. And, um, 
I didn't even realize that I call it the honeymoon phase of the business because mm -hmm. I, the first year in business, I didn't even realize it wasn't working. I thought it was working because we we're all busy and we we're like pumping out awesome hair and people were happy. And so it wasn't until I got pregnant with my daughter and I stepped away from the chair temporarily and bounced my first payroll that it opened my eyes to like, oh, this thing doesn't actually work without all this volume of sales that I'm pumping into it. Right. And thankfully I had like my daughter so early because I could have been doing that for five years or 10 years without even realizing it, which is I think where a lot of our listeners might be, right? Is that you're so busy behind the chair and it's like this hamster wheel um, that you don't get a step away to really analyze what your business needs are and you don't really know if it's working or not. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really important. I, I added it up um, and I spent $60,000 in my own education, not my team's education, in my right. own education during that 10 year um, growth journey of becoming an entrepreneur. So when I opened my business, I identified as a stylist. Mm -hmm. And when I ended my career as a salon owner, I identify as a, as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a $60,000 journey and a lot of mistakes. <laughs>
you know, and this is where most coaches and, and most leaders focus on like, Spend how time. can I do a better job? Right. And one, and then the third bucket is developing the skill sets that, and the skill sets sort of, sort of cross between all three buckets. Like there are skills you can learn to develop better mindsets. There are skills you can learn to do better as a leader. So, so thinking about it from that perspective of like, be, no do so the no is the skill set the do is the behaviors the be obviously is the the inner game stuff mm-hmm. and i would start with the being because everything else yeah. flows out mm-hmm. from there and- i would have to say that it was being humble and being confident at the same time I think that when I first graduated beauty school, I was, you know, hair flip, like, I got this, I'm good. I know what I'm doing, you know? And so I think that looking back, I was probably pushing away people who were trying to help. And then when I grew up a little bit at that point, um, it was like, you know what? I'm going to accept the help because I want to be the best version of myself. And I think that it was accepting those who have gone before me and accepting them to be my leader and grabbing onto their coattails and riding along as opposed to just being arrogant and um, naive. So I think it does take maturity. Um, I also, you know, when I left the small town, I also didn't have any money or any place to live. And that was like pure motivation right there, right? Like, I got to cut a lot of hair. I got to get really good because I need to make money because I, I want a better life for myself. I definitely would jump in all in without yeah. looking all around of like, is this safe? I was very hesitant, definitely in the very beginning of my career, all these fears and this negative, negative um, talk that I wasn't capable of doing it, right. you know, but then when I started going through the motions, I was just like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be able to do this and I'm going to be able to do it well. But I just had to continue to ask people for help and, mm-hmm. and constantly be learning my leadership skills that I'm working on today. I'd have to say that I'm an emotional person. So I need to put my emotions aside because other people's behavior isn't always directly because of me. I think we can only control ourselves and what we do and how we respond to things. And that's something that I'm always trying to work on myself that I shouldn't take anything personal and that I need to go in with the best mindset and integrity and, and make sure that all of my staff know what my intentions are and that it's pure you know, as far as what they do with my leadership is up to them. But that's something that I definitely need, that I am working on, still need to work on is just kind of removing that emotional piece aside. And it's tricky when you're so passionate and you have, you just know, like, you've got so much potential, like, you know, keep going and you just want to push people and push people um, to, to be the best versions of yourself. So that's definitely something that I'm working on um, as a leader. Um, I also think that time, making sure that we're carving out enough time to be the leader and be there for our team. Because sometimes, you know, especially with everything going on, sometimes they just want to have you there for like quality time. Um, 
to listen to. They, they just want you to be there for them. Um, my biggest thing I would leave you with is don't write off 2020. We're just over halfway through. Um, you know, let's go for the law of polarity. We just had the worst six months in business. Let's now have the best six months in business. And really the law of attraction still works and you can still um, have time to create a new vision for your company, work on what's within your control, focus on the right things and, um, and get support, right? Get other people around you who can lift you up, um, breathe life into you, stay on these podcasts, stay getting inspired, encouraged because the future looks bright. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in, and I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his his wings. (laughs) Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up. Um, you know, it helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go, as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same Uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.